Support for Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio is made possible by M&M Printing and the Observer News of Ruskin. Hello and welcome to this edition of Veterans Corner Radio, information for and about veterans. For this episode of Veterans Corner Radio, Bill Hodges has a conversation with Dr. Cesar Icoli, a member of the surgical staff at the James A. Haley VA Hospital in Tampa and a surgeon specializing in urology. In this program, he discusses prostate problems, warning signs, and treatment options. Please note that this was recorded before the coronavirus outbreak and, as such, does not discuss it. Here now is Bill Hodges with Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio. Welcome to Veterans Corner, a show dedicated to providing information to all those who have served our country's military and to their families. Now, here is your host, newspaper columnist, management trainer, and Air Force veteran, Bill Hodges. Hi, I am Bill Hodges, and this is Veterans Corner. And remember, every one of these shows, the first thing you want to do is reach for a pencil and paper, because there may be something you want to write down. Today, we're very fortunate to have Dr. Ercoli with me, and the interesting thing is he is a surgeon with the VA in the urology department. So, ladies, get your husbands out here. Have them listen to the broadcast with you. Don't walk away just because we're going to talk about urology because we're going to talk mostly about prostate at this point, although we'll probably do another broadcast on some other things. Doctor, it's such a great thing to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. You know, I went to something where you spoke, and I have never had someone as clearly demonstrate the different things as far as prostate cancer and the possibility of cancer and the treatments for it as you did. Well, it's a topic that's near and dear to me in the sense that like, I have a lot of time invested in research as well as trying to provide care in a way that the patient understands the most about all their options that there are there because there are several options that you have. So knowing is feeling better about that final decision that you make. There are, go ahead. I was just going to say, one of the things, wherever I've went, whoever, if it was a surgeon and that's how they made their living, then surgery was the best way to go. If it was an oncologist, the best thing to do was chemotherapy. And if it happened to be a radiologist, then bang, Radiology was the thing to go, and they all, I'm sure, believe in their profession and the way they do it, but they all had a profit motive, and you don't, coming from the VA. So I think you made me feel more comfortable about the things you were saying. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about practicing at the VA is that you can spend a lot of time with the patient explaining the different options. I don't have to you know, generate a certain amount of cases or things that then will dictate the way that I would instruct you or help you make that decision. What would be the first signs that somebody has a problem with the prostate? I mean, most of us know going to the bathroom as we grow older becomes a ritual, but what are some of the first signs that people might want to look for? Yeah, so the prostate is one of those interesting organs that as we grow older, it continues to grow with us, uh, and it's few organs that will do that. 
and it can take the path of getting in the way of urination or it can take the path of uh, cancer or both. So generally, we will ask at the visit, whether it be with your family practitioner or with a urologist about your urination to get a sense of that. But for prostate cancer, it is rare that patients these days present with symptoms. Oh, really? Yeah. So generally, we'll monitor your PSA, which is the blood test, and then we'll ask about risk factors for prostate cancer. So a first-degree family member, everybody getting older, that's male, and then being African-American tend to be risk factors for then proceeding with more screening. So everybody, all men, should get a PSA test? So that's a difficult one because, you know, if you look at the media, there was a lot of discussion recently saying that, like, whether or not you should screen everybody. And so that's why we look for risk factors. And then that conversation that you have with the patient, because if the PSA is elevated, you may end up needing to have a prostate biopsy. So it may be, even if the prostate is elevated, that doesn't necessarily mean you have prostate cancer. Correct. There's no low enough PSA for me to tell you you don't have prostate cancer. And so, you know, generally the current recommendations are if your PSA is between zero to one, to check it every couple of years, if not every few. If it's between one and three, to check it every year. And then if it's above three, to have that conversation of whether or not you would benefit from a prostate biopsy. With all of this, also, you want to make sure that you're getting your, your prostate checked with a digital rectal exam. So the VA will do this for those who are eligible for VA care? Absolutely. And if they're not, then they should go to their local doctor and get a recommendation? Correct. And that, again, you know, it's a, a conversation that takes you down a path of potentially having a biopsy or further care in the sense that, you know, we may diagnose something that then will be on a spectrum of whether or not we have to treat it or be much more aggressive with that treatment. I hear this term Gleason score on those who have had a biopsy. What does a Gleason score mean and, and what are the minimums up or ends and what would each one drive you toward? Yeah, so Gleason score is, is looking at the architecture of the gland under the microscope. And so the only way to be able to do that is to get the biopsies. And that's what we send the, the pieces of tissue to the pathologist to then review. And they can assign it based on five patterns, what it most matches up to. And so it can be a one, two, three, four, or five, five being the most disorganized, the one that we're most concerned about. Gleason actually was a, a pathologist at the VA in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, really? Yeah. At the VA? And in his time, we didn't have PSA. And so most of the time, patients were coming in. There was something wrong with them. And we eventually got them diagnosed with, with the prostate cancer. And so what he was able to do was to come up with these five patterns and then say, all right, if I can tell you what's the most predominant pattern plus whatever comes in second place, that's your overall score. And then that's how we can better predict how the disease may progress or the malignancy potential. As time has gone by... Uh, we don't report the pattern one and two anymore. So at best, you can be a Gleason three plus three, six overall. And at worst, you can be a Gleason five plus five, 10 overall. Now, if someone does get, let's say they get a, a three plus three and a Gleason score of six, what should they be thinking about? So there are several different options for that. And, you know, this is where that conversation has to come into play to just determine what your life goals are. Uh, where you're at with certain things, you know, somebody that comes in and they're how old you are, Does that how make old a you are makes a big difference. You know, the majority of our data is for patients that are between 55 and 69 for me to tell you that I'm going to be able to make a big difference in your overall survival, right? Not necessarily cancer control, but overall survival. 
But then it's an individual discussion for the older patient that you say, okay, you don't have that many medical issues. These treatments are still an option for you as well. Of course, you're a surgeon and you have surgery options. But what about the other options? If a person has a Gleason score of six, which is, as I understand it, the lowest, yeah. what kind of questions would you ask them to help you determine whether or not surgery is an option or they should go and look at other options? Yeah, so at that point, I, I would pretty much go through all the different options that you have. And that can be something like you know doing hormone treatments where you, you, you stop your ability to make testosterone, the main male hormone, which is the main fuel for the prostate and therefore prostate cancer. You have options with cryotherapy uh, where it can be done to the whole gland or parts of the gland. Uh, you have options with radiation therapy, which can be with brachytherapy or seed implants uh, or external beam radiation, which is what we offer at the James A. Haley. Or you can have surgery. Or the other one that a lot of patients are going with is active surveillance, which means that we monitor you. It's not that I diagnose you and send you home and say, come back, we have symptoms, but we keep a close eye on you. And that's what getting a PSA no more often than every six months, a rectal exam no more often than every 12 months. And at some point we have the discussion of when we should repeat the biopsy. And if somebody is, let's say they're 80 and they have a Gleason score of six, what are the reasons why they wouldn't want to do it why would they go into active surveillance at 80 so the reason you would go into it is because a, a gleason six and, and we're actually changing the nomenclature a little bit to get a better intuitive sense of of thinking about the disease because a gleason six is now considered a grade group one and that's what we've moved into so we're saying grade group one two three four and five five being the worst so a Gleason 6 or grade group 1 cancer is one that is a very, very, very slow-growing type of cancer, very indolent cancer, that over your lifetime, it's not really going to change all that much. As we understand more and more about the biology of the disease, we recognize that this is something that you are very safe observing. More likely to get hit by a bus and die than have the, the cancer get you. Correct. And, you know, sometimes if you're just treating the word cancer or the anxiety about the disease, it could be much worse than actually it's scary. waiting for it. Correct. I think a lot of people are sitting here just scared to death. It's cancer. But the survival rate is very high on this, correct? Absolutely. You know, I, I usually, if, if it's like a Gleason 6, I compare it to like if you went to the dermatologist, had a biopsy of a suspicious mole, but it came back with some signs of cancer, but you don't have to go back and remove the whole whatever body part it was on, or that, you know, you just keep a close eye on it. You monitor the borders, the color, all those things. If it raises another red flag, then we go after it. What are some of the downsides of doing any one of these things? So in a sense, the treatment. Yeah, I mean, I like to compare my prostate cancer patients to cars. I want to get the most mileage out of them, and I want to make sure that that ride is as good as it can be. So we always try and figure out what is most important to you besides the cancer control, right? And that gets into the quality of life aspect of the treatment of prostate cancer, which can affect your potency as well as your urine control. So, you know, some patients don't mind so much one side effect than the other, and that's how you, you decide. Radiation and surgery, you'll see the side effects pretty quickly there. And then the other things, you know, it takes a little bit more time, but again, it is dependent on the conversation that you have with the patient. Is chemotherapy an option on prostate cancer, or is that 
not an option there. So chemotherapy is an option in a really advanced type of prostate cancer, okay. that presentation especially. Generally, if, if there is somebody that you know or you're sharing the, the, the conversation with friends, if they say that they got chemotherapy, it usually means that they did something to stop their testosterone, and that's the hormone therapy or androgen deprivation therapy. Again, testosterone being the main fuel source for the prostate and prostate cancer, what you're trying to do is, is stop that fuel. But that in itself has a lot of negative side effects at times. And so you, you really want to make sure that they're aware of that. And that's the way you would go. So we're looking at impotency as one of the possibilities from surgery and from the radiation, correct? Correct. And we're also looking at leakage or failure to be able to control the bladder, correct? Correct. And Kind of what kind of percentage? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but is there a percentage on that? Yeah, and I mean, erections are kind of subjective, you know, the way that, that we clinically think about it. And we say that, you know, you have a good erection if they're rigid enough for penetration and last long enough to do what you want to do. Okay. okay. I always mention that. There's a lot of guys out there who can't do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so we have a lot of things that we can do post-op to try and, and regain that function or get you back to where you were. But essentially, you take about a 50 to 70% hit just from okay. being in the area. Okay. And then surgery, same kind? Yeah. And so with, with surgery, we also look at your continence rate because you, you essentially have to regain control of your bladder. And most people can do that within a couple of weeks, you start to see an improvement, but by three months, you will see much, much improvement on that. So you, what, what you would say if somebody's going through this, they should do the, the clutching uh, ladies do the yeah I've done this for years but men have to tighten up until, yeah, so until you get some strength you want to do your pelvic floor exercises or kegel exercises and that will uh, strengthen the pelvic floor you know after surgery i generally tell patients that i'm essentially taking you through potty training again except now you have the <laughs> cognitive ability to know what's going on work and with be, you on it. yeah and work with me and know that 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 part of it is really uh, much up to the patient. I mean, I could do a great surgery, but if they're not doing the, the exercises, it, it, it delays that recovery. Dr. Ocoli, I, I really wish we had more time, because, but you will come back, you said, correct? I will, yes. You, you've just given us so many good thoughts and so much, and I really hope you will. I'm Bill Hodges. You've been listening to Veterans Corner. Thanks for being with us. You're unique. You're special. You're great. Tell yourself so often because you are, you know, and we'll see you on the next Veterans Corner. You've been listening to Veterans Corner with your host, Air Force veteran Bill Hodges. The views expressed on this program are those of Bill and his guests and are opinions based on the best available information. In matters of law or governmental regulation, it will always be best to check with the appropriate agency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next Veterans Corner. Here's a quick final thought. If you're enjoying these podcasts, why not take a minute to subscribe or mark Veterans Corner Radio as a favorite? It's easy, and you'll be set to be among the first to find out when new podcasts are published. And thanks again for listening to Veterans Corner Radio.